What's up, Mets fans? Welcome to the whole Lot of Mets podcast. My name is Mendy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lot of Mets. I have a Francisco Lindor autograph giveaway on there. Actually, um, that's ending soon, so y'all could go and check that out. But in this podcast, I have Mike Silva from Talking Mets. I'm I'm a big fan of him. This was a tremendous episode. I had a lot of fun talking with Mike. We talked about Bauer, Arenado, Chris Bryant, Jared Porter. We talked about everything it was a great show i really enjoyed recording it and i hope that you guys enjoy it just the same as i do all right guys here we go welcome to the whole lot of mets podcast Mets fans we have from the talking mets podcast one of my heroes i gotta say we have mike silva on mike how you doing man wow it's so great to have you on that's uh, that's a very humbling intro. Thank you, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, talking some Mets baseball with you tonight. Yeah, awesome. Like, w- what has gone on with the Mets this past week? I hate to say it, I really do, but tell me that it doesn't feel like Wilpon-esque. Uh, well, it, it definitely does. Uh, what was it? I think Mike Vaccaro, the Post, wrote it was about 73 days of Mets heaven, and then Steve <laughs> Cohen. Uh, saw what it was to be a, an owner in New York. And look, if everybody thought it would be an easy road, you know, what's the, uh, the old Queen song? You know, we are the champions, no better roses. Uh, <laughs> no matter what, it's always going to be some kind of uh, controversy. And uh, I, I obviously I didn't expect for two years in a row that first Jeez. a manager and then a GM doesn't How even make it spring training. It doesn't, I, I don't think yeah. I could have put money down in Vegas on that one. <laughs> Um, but you know, look, uh, Jared Porter is not going to derail the Mets from being a competitive team, from being a, what I believe, at least a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot. And, uh, it makes for great radio it makes, you know, it's one of the reasons why we're doing this. So from that standpoint, I guess, uh, it's a good thing. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's a wild week and, uh, I don't think you're, uh, you're done yet. You know, Trevor Bauer's still out there. I know Brad Hand signed with Washington. Uh, just a couple of hours ago, and uh, you know the Mets still have some holes to fill. Yeah, lots of holes to fill too. But I wanted to talk about Bauer because it was Mark Fine said, I, I think it was, um, that said that it's the Angels and Mets um, that's down to um, for Trevor Bauer, and all of a sudden. And I mean, all of a sudden, it went from Sandy Alderson praising Bauer and Mets fans being, oh, we want Bauer. We want this. We want that. Um, that Bauer ranked us number two in his fan rankings to all of a sudden some random female reporter out of left field decides to come on and say, oh, yeah, back in August, Trevor Bauer decided to attack me. I mean, I got Holocaust jokes because of it, yada, yada, yada. Number one, I'm Jewish, all right? And believe me, it's not it's it's not because of Trevor Bauer that there's anti-Semites in the world. That's number one, all right? Number two is how do Met fans go from wanting a guy to, to fucking canceling him? It makes no sense to me, especially since he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done any anything since um, for you to all of a sudden cancel him. This this whole cancel culture is such BS. It's uh, Mike, take the floor. Well, I saw a poll out there, and I mean it's not scientific, but our you know my good friend Joe DeMeo, he's he does a ton of stuff at SMY, put out a poll about Bauer, and it's about fifty fifty. 
I definitely think the report, and I think it's a very vocal minority of a couple of blogs and a couple of, well, one particular writer for the New York Post uh, that are using what happened with Jared Porter. And in their eyes, the Mets lack of due diligence, which I'm really not sure how the Mets would have known about what this guy did on his private time on a phone to a reporter that didn't come out with it for four years. But they're using that as a pulpit to say the Mets can't go this route because Bauer is using Twitter as a way to harass people. Now, none of the stuff that happened is good. You know, he texted or not texted. He tweeted at someone 80 times a couple of years back that criticized him. I don't know why he wasted his time doing that. You were talking about Bauer? Uh, Yeah, I guess there was some uh, fan that he texted at. He's saying text tweeted at about 80 times a couple of years ago. And then, of course, (laughs) he went after he went after the reporter and he didn't go after her, but his followers went after her. And now they're saying, well, you know, he should have known better or he unleashed these people, you know, almost like he's, you know, some mythical character here. Um, (laughs) You know, if I have followers that are anti-Semitic, do things that are, you know, not on the up and up, there's not much I can do about them. You know, I, I, you know, I don't approve of it. I certainly don't do it on my show, but I can't go and say, well, the only people that can listen to the Talking Mets podcast are those that have this, 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 you know, belief system. You know, that's just not realistic. Everybody well, else is Nazis, though, though. So right. What do you, you know, what, do you, what are we going to now, you know, do tests before you go into City Field? Um, I just don't know why this is a story. I don't think it has anything to do. It's, it, it's not criminal. If you start to go into the background of a lot of managers, players, Hall of Famers and things or mistakes they've made, I think that you'd have a very uh, empty roster. They have empty rosters across baseball. You have an empty Hall of Fame. Uh, And I also think the biggest thing that we need to start to do is allow people to evolve. You know, if you make a mistake, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to own it and it certainly sticks with you. And in some cases it destroys you like Porter. But we're at a point where now, well, you, you know, you can never come back from that. And we see members of the media, blogs, taking a lot of joy in inflicting pain on people and seeing people lose their jobs. And that to me is pretty sad because no matter what somebody says or does to me personally, professionally, I would never want to see someone not be able to earn a living. I would never want to see somebody not be able to move forward or get stuck in some kind of proverbial jail. And I think that's what we see now. And I don't understand it. And and maybe it's part and parcel to people being locked down. And there's a lot of negativity in the world right now. Maybe it's because we're getting a little antsy for the baseball season. But in any event, uh, to me, all this other stuff about Bauer is a non-story. The real question is, do you believe that the Bauer you saw in the pandemic season is the Bauer you're going to see going forward? Do you believe that the price tag, if it goes into the 30 to $35 million price range, and the years is worth it because there will be consequences to other free agents. If you bring in Bauer, if you're the Mets, you probably aren't going to resign Stroman, and you're probably not going to resign Syndergaard, assuming that he doesn't come in for one year. You may, you may have consequences when DeGrom opts out, if he opts out in a couple of years. Uh, Carrasco has another year on his contract, but you know, does it impact Michael Conforto? These are the real questions. The real questions are baseball and financial. It has nothing to do with Twitter. And yes. I said at the beginning of the offseason that yes. out of the three big free agents, Real Muto, Bauer, Springer, I wanted them to go after Real Muto and Bauer, not Springer. Real Muto wanted to you know, ride this thing out all offseason. 
the Mets couldn't do all those players until February. It would be too dangerous for them because they it's musical chairs. You'd be caught. You knew you weren't going to sign all three, no matter what, and you'd be caught without a chair, and you couldn't get caught without a catcher, and you may have got you may have lost out on the Bauer sweepstakes, and then here you are, it's Valentine's Day, and you've signed nobody. You couldn't do that. So they jumped on McCann. They pivoted to Springer a little bit, and now Bauer's still sitting there, and I think they're going to make a run at him. I don't know if they're going to get him. But all along, I thought beefing up the rotation was the right way to go, and it looks like they may do that. I 100% agree with you. I am all in on Bauer. Um, although, right, <clears throat> excuse me, these reporters and bloggers, yada, 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 people are power hungry. Once they realize the power they have, I'm like, they could destroy somebody's career at, just from them sitting on their ass in, in their mama's basement typing shit they are going to take every advantage they can but i have a question for all you non-bauer people right look at the mets clubhouse right you have dom you have conforto you have pete wouldn't you want to enlighten bauer on these social issues and everything like that if you think he's a bad person wouldn't you want him to change his mind and be a better person and with a guy like Dom and everything like that, I would think um, that if Bauer was uh, was so hardcore right or anything like that, right, um, and he sees what is actually going on um, in Dom's view, wouldn't you think that that would change him a little bit? You know, like, wouldn't you want Bauer to get educated according to you? Um, so the fact that he's going to come in and just tear up the clubhouse makes no sense to me. No sense to me at all, especially when... We have Lindor and Carrasco, who are former teammates of him, so um, who who obviously know him too. So it's um, so it's not like they're giving a bad review of um of Bauer to the Mets, or else they wouldn't be interested in him. Especially since they want to extend Lindor. Although I do have to argue with you that I think that Bauer is going to get around a three to four year deal, let's say ninety million dollars, right? Um, but I don't think that that handicaps the Mets that much that they won't be able to re-sign Syndergaard and Conforto. Um, maybe with Marcus, but at the same time, I, I don't think that Marcus is that good to go out and get the contract that he's going to get. Um, so if it's up to me, right, I'm getting DeGrom, Bauer, Carrasco, Syndergaard, and Peterson. And when Syndergaard comes back, I'm going to try to trade Marcus and beef up our farm system because he's going to be a rental for us either either way. So um so if you have Syndergaard coming back, you just you just rip replace Syndergaard uh, with Marcus and then you just get back more prospects, which is kind of what the Yankees did um with Andrew Miller, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting idea. I never thought of that. I mean obviously it would depend on how the Mets season is going. Uh, and also how Syndergaard comes back. I mean, we're all assuming he's going to come back from Tommy John's surgery and be fine. And 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 that, that, there's a very good chance that will happen. But it didn't happen right away for Zach Wheeler. Uh, there is a, a period of, of working your way back in. I you know obviously he had he had the surgery in spring training of last year, so it's going to be almost a year plus when he comes back. And, and let's think positively. But we shouldn't put in pen or pencil Syndergaard right now because. He hasn't pitched, and and right now that's why you're going to need Stroman. And when Syndergaard comes back, because uh, we haven't seen Peterson over the course of 162 game season, you're going to have potentially 
the rotation better than what you had in the second half of 2019, which was, I believe, only the Astros had a better starting rotation than the Mets in the second half of 2019, if you use the fan graphs uh, metrics to that. And the Astros were really heavily skewed towards two pitchers, for Lander and Cole. The Mets had Mats as their fifth starter. Conceivably, you'd be replacing Mats, or Peterson in this case, with Syndergaard as your fifth starter, and Carrasco, and Bauer, um, and DeGrom. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty scary rotation, uh, you know, when you go out there. And, and, a, and, and in a lot of ways, each one of those pitchers on any given day could give you a number one type performance. Yeah. Any one of those. Mats can't do that. You know, Mats can't do that. Peterson can't do that. Syndergaard can. Bauer can. Carrasco can. DeGrom can. Stroman can. So, it, you know, it's a very enticing thought. And yes, are they probably now, because Brad Hand signed with Washington, going to go a little bit more B level in the bullpen? I like Justin Wilson over Jake McGee and Oliver Perez. Uh, I still have concerns about the bullpen. I have concerns about the offense, too. Really? You know, even if you bring, yeah, I mean, wow, look, dude, look, that's a hot you, take. That's a hot take because well, they were like well, top five offensively DH, in baseball. It's really not if you think about it because assuming they have the DH, you've got Dom and Pete, Pete Alonzo there. Uh-huh. Okay. Your infield is set. I'm assuming JD Davis at third, but you have Nimmo in center, Conforto right, but who's going to play left? And if Nimmo moves to left and you bring Albert Amora Jr. in, well, you are kind of putting in a, a lesser bat there. Pete Alonso struggled a lot last year. Um, you know, Lindor's coming into a new situation. You don't know what you're going to get. Look, he has not been elite the last two years. J.D. Davis, uh, you know, had his ups and downs. McCann doesn't have a great track record. Maybe I shouldn't say I'm concerned. I think the Mets offense is top five regardless. Uh, there we go. But I, I would I mean, not. Like, yeah, you just went not, from like one end it to the complete ha- it's other. It's not infallible. Let's put it this way. There is some some potential for some disappointment. Let's put it this way: even though the Mets' offense was top five last year, they struggled driving in runs. That is, that they is didn't true. get a big hit and things like that. So, look, you're looking at this offense and you're assuming it's the old Pete Alonso of 2019. Dom Smith only did it over 60 games. Um, you don't know who's going to play center and left. It could be a combination of a couple of different guys. McCann doesn't have a big sample size to work off with. Yes, two years. a great player. But I'm trying to just give you things to think about. I'm not trying to be negative. Out of all the things that I worry about the Mets, if you told me starting pitching, bullpen, uh, offense, I still worry most about bullpen. bullpen. Yeah. I, still think, I still think there's a lot of walks in that bullpen. I think Diaz could be shaky. You know, May is a good pitcher. But, you know, again, uh, the Mets' history of signing relievers has been really bad over the last 15 years. So, you know, you know, don't color me shocked if uh, Trevor May turns out to not be. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Oh, my God. Sheesh, Mike. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, there are things that worry me. Now, I still think, again, I think this is a good team. But I think we're thinking because of a new owner that they're infallible and they're not. And that's where I guess where I'm going. All right. So I have a lot to say regarding that. Um, I do agree with you. I, I think that bullpen is is um at the top, especially because three of our five pitchers right now go about five innings, and then it's up to the bullpen. Um, and especially because I think Lugo is not a starter at all. Um, I think he belongs as the closer. I think he should be the closer, and I think that he's the best closer that the Mets have. 
But um, I think that McCann has put together a solid two-and-a-half-year um, sample size on which I think he turned his whole career around. Um, I also feel like Pete is a guy who who vibes off of the crowd's energy. Um, so I think that once fans are back and everything like that, I think that Pete is going to have the extra oomph, you know? You know, it's interesting you it. said that because a, a scout told me before the pandemic season that he thought the Mets, and many people thought that the Mets – not having fans in the stands would hurt them because they had fed so much, especially in the second half of 2019, off those city field crowds. That's a very fair point. And uh, I think it's still going to be a while before fans are back at city field. So you might be looking at, you know, the summer, but uh, hopefully there will be fans back. And, and if that's the case, you know, a lot of good things to look forward to as you make a postseason run. Yeah. I mean, you say that, um, but Biden is kind of a, uh magician um so everything is going to open back up within the next week and a half um so i'm sure that there's going to be fans there don't worry about that <laughs> we'll see about that. from your mouth from your mouth to god's oh ears. dude I, I i'm not i'm not gonna go down that path no that that does not end well for me but yeah um i do agree with you about dom i don't i don't understand the fascination with dom and brandon Nimmo. if i'm being honest with you because we've had these players the past three years um and we haven't won with them so all of a sudden now we're not going to trade them and these guys are untouchable but like oh my something is going to change i disagree with those fans regardless um but i also think that i also think that the hype around dom is also because what he does off the field and the leader he is in the clubhouse, um, and how he represents the Mets, um, and everything like that, um, that the fans love that so much, and that he performed in fifty to sixty games, right? Of uh, that, oh my God, Dom is an MVP guy, blah 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 blah. Which is also why I don't want to extend Conforto right now because I think that Conforto's value is at an all-time high right now coming off of a 50-game season in which he only played 50 games compared to the... I'm sorry, he only played 47 games compared to the 62 games. And that, yeah, he had a great 47 games, but um, but how is that going to look in a 162-game season to where he's not going to have a 300 batting average? He's probably going to have around, if we're being realistic and honest, he's probably going to have around a 260 average, right? Um, so is a 260 average guy going to get 25 to $30 million on the open market? I don't think so. And especially with Cohen being our owner, I think that I would take that risk, whether to pay him a, um, a Springer contract right now to when he comes off probably next year, I'm a 265 average and he gets around $18 million a year. Um, so I would take the gamble because if he comes with a 300 batting average, 35 homers, 100 RBIs, yeah, it's going to cost us a shit ton of money. But let's be real, right? What's the chances on that that's going to happen? You know? Well, if you look at his numbers, though, oh, forget the batting average. If you look at his numbers over the last few years for, since 2017, he got sent down in 2016. They're very comparable to Bryce Hopper. Very comparable. Now, he wasn't on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I'm not saying he's going to get a 10-year, $300 million deal. But be rest assured, he has a very similar run creation type of 2021. Boris is going to be looking for 25 to $30 million a year. George Springer is the base. He's not getting like George Springer. I mean, that I can promise you. In 2019, and he probably is going to get 
he's going to be looking for more years and more dollars. So, Conforto, you're saying? Seven years, yeah. He, that's a seven-year, two hundred ten. Really? Yeah. I'm not getting that. And I think he lunch. would get it. I think he would get it. If he doesn't get it from the Mets, he will get it. And Boris will make sure he gets it. And uh, if he signs before going to free agency, it'll be a very team-friendly deal. Uh, I, you know, I know that you know some people were saying, look, Strasburg did and things like that. If he does do something like that, there'll be opt-outs. Uh, there will be something in that kind of contract that gives Michael Conforto the ability to get back out into the free agent market in his prime and make big dollars. So, I mean, uh, uh, we'll see. Here, I, here's how I'm going to put it, right? Um, in 2019 and 2018, yeah, he had um, 33 and 28 homers, but he also had a 257 average and a 243 average. That's number one. But number two, it's that, Players get paid not only about how good they are, um, is how much money um does Bryce Harper bring into me than Michael Conforto? Bryce Harper, his first game, there was so much hype. There was this, there was that. It, I mean, like it was Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is a megastar. Michael Conforto is a nice player. He's not a superstar. He's not this. He's not that. Um, so if I'm the Mets, I'm not giving him more than twenty two a year. And if he goes ahead and gets 25 from the Yankees, let's say, or something like that. How I go? Um, but I, I honestly don't think that he's that type of player solely because one good 52 game season, that's like, oh yeah, this guy is a $210 million player. And right now his value is at an all time high, right? Uh, um, so Boris is going to ask for the moon right now. He's, he's going to ask for the moon compared to after the season, to where he probably has a Conforto season batting 250. Is he is he gonna get seven years 210 on the open market? I, I I doubt it, especially with no fans probably being there till like July, especially with a offseason that could have Corey Seeger, Javier Baez, Scherzer, Syndergaard, Rizzo, Freeman, um um the Rockies shortstop, maybe Arenado and Chris Bryant and all these guys. Um, so is somebody now going to overload for Conforto when they have all these mega guys out there um, on the market? I I really don't think so. I mean, it all depends. I mean, look, I didn't think somebody would do what they what happened with George Springer. Uh, but Toronto, and all it takes is one. It takes one GM. He was the biggest one, name, though. He, he was the yeah. biggest name out there. Um, it's, right. I just named 15 other guys, possibly. That, it's that very true. Name. Very true. It's it's going to be a, a very interesting market. A lot of shortstops out there. Um, so that's a very fair point. I, I think, again, I think Conforto, like, you're right. The Q rating may not be there when you compare him to Bryce Harper and, and what have you. But if you really just strip numbers, you know, just do one little exercise. Go to Baseball Reference. Take, it, you know, the last four years, sort it by Conforto and Harper. And put them side by side and don't look at the name. And you'll be, you know, put Springer in there too. George Springer's numbers are right there too with them. And they're very similar. One, two, three. And and probably part of the reason the Mets backed off on Springer is like, hey, this is getting expensive. The Mets have used the term opportunistic throughout the whole offseason. Sandy Alderson has said that while he was still the GM. Porter was using that term. And I think that's why they're in the Bauer thing now. They're kind of hanging in and saying, look, if there's an opening, we are now the kind of team that could take advantage of that. We don't have to have everything line up perfectly like under Wilpon ownership where, you know, the budget was always moving. And if things didn't exactly line up and the stars didn't align, they couldn't get a deal done. Now they can, but they're not just going to throw money around for the sake of it. 
They're going to do it when it makes sense. And money can be a weapon. And, he, and Sandy Olson is also talking about discipline, discipline with, you know, not overdoing it in terms of big deals and also discipline because you have options and you have the luxury tax. So uh, I think if there's an opportunistic situation and Bauer, I think, fits that and maybe off next off season, Conforto and whatever other player that's out there on the market. Uh, you know, may fall into that same kind of strategy. So it will be interesting to see where they go. Um, but for now, you know, you have a really good offense. Uh, I would like to see another bat in that lineup, uh, potentially, you know, with, you know, a little bit more of a two-way player. But I would like to – I'd be very interested to see how they fill that outfield spot and if they do it and can still stay in this whole Bauer sweepstakes. Yeah. Um. So I want to take this two ways. Um, but first, I want to say about Harper, right? Um, he signed a 13-year deal, but at the end of the day, um, he's only getting paid around $25.6 million yeah. a year. That, and, that, and that's probably Conforto's market. You're right, yeah. I mean, that's Conforto's market. And, and also, but remember something, it's also the timing of when you go to the market. Exactly. You know, guys get paid because they're in the right market at the right time. You know, precedent is important because that's what teams will go by. Uh, and I, and I, when I did the seven years 210 – you know, I was kind of looking at thirty million a year, but you know, maybe it's one eighty or one ninety, or something along those lines. Hey, maybe he has a huge year. Maybe. And then this is all moot. Then this is all a moot point. Then it's going to go much, much higher. Yeah, so. that is very. But you are correct. It's twenty six million AAV, and he was more concerned about the total dollars yep. than he was about AAV. And and look, at the end of the day, a- annual average value doesn't get deposited into the bank. Dollars get positive to the bank, and if you get three hundred and thirty million versus a higher AAV but less years, you know, give me the more money. That's the way I look. Facts, at it. facts. All right. So uh, you said that the Mets um wanting to be opportunistic, but I'm gonna get there. But I want to talk about first Brad Hand going to the Nationals. There was a report from Ken Rosenthal that uh that the Mets are very close to an agreement with Brad Hand. Obviously, that fell apart. To now, him going to the Nationals for ten point five million dollars. All right, multiple questions, Mike. Multiple. Number one, right? How the hell did the Mets let that happen? Number one. Number two is, it, how did Brad Hand go unclaimed? Any team could have got him for ten million dollars for one year, and no team claimed him. But all of a sudden, he goes on the open market and he gets more. Like, how does that work? Well, it is a great question. I think that the market developed and changed. And I think everybody at 10 million said, you know, I could probably get that guy less, you know, maybe two years, 14 million or, you know, one year, six or seven million. And it didn't happen. As far as not coming to the Mets, from what the reports are, a couple of things were at play. One, he wanted to close and he wanted to close primarily. And that wasn't going to happen with the Mets. The Mets have a couple of closers. They have Diaz. You can argue Lugo, like you said before. And uh, he has had some uh, concerning declines in velocity over the last couple of years. Not enough where I would not sign him, but enough to say, hey, this might not work out well. And then whether this matters or not, I mean, this is, you know, could be speculation, but it sounds like it's reporting. He wanted to be close to uh, his home in spring training. That's where the Nats uh, train. Um, these things happen. Family proximity to their home and obviously he felt if i'm going to take a one-year deal and go to new york and maybe only close half the time i'm not going to get a multi-year deal next off season 
Let me go to Washington. Let me have a bang up year. Let me show them that Brad Hand is an elite closer. And then next year I get a three year, four year deal like uh, Liam Hendricks. And uh, it works out. So it looks to me like it had nothing to do with the Mets. It had to do with money. And if you're going to, you know, go for a situation uh, that's good monetarily, why not make it good where it's good for your family and you're close to your home in spring training and you get to spend another thir- three, you know, four to six weeks with your family in a long baseball season. All right. So two things on that. Um, I think Hand is like 37, no? Um, so I don't think he's really going to get on that. 30s. Yeah. I don't know exact age. I'd have to look, yeah. but it is 30s. Yeah. Um, but okay. So I have two more things. But isn't that where. Steve Cohen is supposed to come in and say, you know what? I'm worth $14 billion. I'll give you um, your two-year contract. It's in, wasn't that the hype around Yeah, him? I guess I guess Sandy Alderson, you know, he's relying on his baseball people, said, you know, that's not for me. You know, would I have given Brad Hand two years? Uh, $20 million? I would do that, no? I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that kind of contract. Um, would I do it if I knew I had Trevor Bauer and that would have would prevent me from uh, having Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah. 100%. 100%. If the Mets go out and get Bauer tomorrow, I don't give a rat's ass if they got Brad hand or not. I couldn't care less, but I'm also being like, Hey, they're not going to overpay for Springer. They won't give Brad hand a market value contract. Um, um, so what makes me think that they're going to go out and they're going to go sign Bauer um, who's coming off a Cy Young Award-winning season, but it was during a 60-game season. So right. um, so what's going to make me think that, oh, you know what? They're saving this money because they want to go after Bauer when they uh, when they didn't really n- not even overpay um, for their other two targets, you know, which is kind of why I feel like the bashing on the Mets is getting hotter and hotter and hotter because what happened to... Um, to us getting all these guys to where we're getting outbid by like five hundred thousand dollars, you know? Right. Brad Hand's actually thirty years old. He's younger That's than it? I thought. Yeah, and I guess you know we we yeah I thought he was mid. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I thought he was like 32, 33. Um, so I think he, he was thirty seven. <laughs> definitely has a chance to get a multi year. Yeah, deal you're right about that. that. And, uh, and you know, again, I I I don't think the Mets are out of spending. Will they? Will they, is it more likely where they spend on a lot of depth pieces than Bauer? Uh, yes, but I, I, I think I go back to that word opportunistic. Depending on how that, if it's a creative contract and a shorter term contract, and he's willing to work with them, I think they have a good shot at landing a big fish like Bauer. Uh, and I think we might see something coming up in the next seven to ten days on that. Is that according to Mike Silva's sources? Or, no. Or, or I... <laughs> No sourcing, no sourcing on that. Not I'm not into the deep end of the pool on sourcing. That, <laughs> that I, I, I Everybody has sources now. Mike, That's what just my gut. I think as you see, guys, you know, it's just logic. All the big names are coming off the board. And look, Valentine's Day is around the corner. Pitchers and catchers report right around that time. People want to have jobs. They want, they want certainty. Uh, as much as they've taken ownership of their own health and development, it's nice to know where you're going to report to spring training, who your teammates are what city you're going to be in. 
uh, those are important things. You have to get a routine down. You have to start preparing, and that's important. Valentine's Day is one, dude. I haven't celebrated. I can't even talk. Celebrated Valentine's Day my whole life. So, like you say, Valentine's Day, my single self is just like, oh, man, for, man, you're taking a shot February at me. 14th. <laughs> that's February fourteenth, and I think pictures and catches a little bit after. So yeah, not too yeah. far away. Um, so if I'm if I'm correct, um, I'm pretty sure that Sean Doolittle. Um, who was the closer for the, um, for the Nationals last year. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent, no? Yep. Yeah, I, I think the name to watch is Justin Wilson. He was there last year. Uh, I actually think he, he has some pretty good peripheral numbers, was really good against lefties. Not as good against righties this past year as he was the prior year. Um, I know there's some health concerns there. You need more but, than one uh, lefty in the bullpen, though. Um, because if yeah, the I don't know of any more. I mean, they got lefty. a number of guys that could go both ways. And look, Edwin Diaz can get lefties out pretty well, uh, believe it or not. I hate Edwin you know, Diaz. Numbers. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I think I think Justin Wilson's a guy. I mean, they only have three roster spots, I believe, left to really sign. So um, three or four roster spots. So they can't just go out. They have to be targeted. And they have to be right because, you know, the guys you're going to sign are going to want roster spots. There will be non-roster invitees, but I don't think anybody of significance at this point is going to take that kind of job. I, really like, that kind of I, I 100% agree. Um, so, you, um, so you've been saying the past 10 minutes about opportunistic for the Mets. And, um, and Sandy Alderson was on the Carton and Roberts show, which Carton ruined, by the way. Evan Roberts, you deserve better. I'm sorry, but whatever. All right. Um, but he said on the Evan Roberts show that J.D. Davis is our third baseman right now. He, he seemed very uncommittal to um, to J.D. Davis. So in my eyes, I was like, wow, I honestly think that the Mets are going to upgrade there, which put two names in my head, Bryant and Nolan Arenado. So I put two trades out there and they both got bashed by Mets fans, maybe one more deservingly than the other. Um, for the Cubs, um, I got the Mets getting Kyle Hendricks, Ian Happ, and Chris Bryant for Francisco Alvarez, Familia, um, J.D. Davis, Dom, and Brandon Nimmo. And people freaked out about that. It's an expensive, it's an expensive deal. That's it's sure. an expensive deal, but you're getting an ace in Kyle Hendricks. You're getting your third baseman in Chris Bryant, and you're, and you're getting a switch hitting center fielder who could play anywhere. I mean, Ian Happ, who has four years of control left, and you have Hendricks, who's getting paid twelve million dollars with with a career two point eight ERA, who has three years left on his deal. And yeah, you're gonna have to re-sign Bryant if you decide to go down that route. But at the end of the day, right, you're feeling three needs, and you're giving up one really good prospect and if there's no dh right where is dom gonna play brandon nimmo ain't that good and jd davis you are replacing with chris bryant so where really is the disconnect on that trade i think the deal i think the deal look you make you make a point and um you know you certainly have a rationale which is all you really need when you do these fictitious trades i think the point and, and alvarez is is probably going to change the game on the trade cuz that's the guy he's that a stud. he's a stud i think chicago would want him yep. and and be careful about giving up a prospect that plays a premium position like catcher the real deal whether it's a colorado with arenado or the cubs with bryant what what is the purpose of, i do not believe teams are just going to dump salary for the sake of dumping salary today. 
uh, they, they're going to evaluate the prospect capital to get back and what would be the return of the deadline. And then remember that the threat you have now that you didn't have 15, 20 years ago, that they will take the draft pick if these guys leave. There's a value in that. So they have to assess all of that when they line up these deals. And that's why these are very complicated deals um, because you just, you know, it's, it's, you don't know what the other team is thinking and there's no, uh, you know, real sense of other than speculation or word that, you know, look, the Cubs are trying to dump salary. The Rockies are trying to dump salary, uh, which I'm sure they'd be interested in, but I don't think it's at a point where Florida Marlins 1997, got to dump all these players. They got to get out of here now or what the pirates are trying to do, trying to clear out as much payroll. I don't think you have a, you know, a team going broke here with either of those situations where uh, a deal like that would be easy to pull off. And, and certainly your deal is expensive enough where I think they would listen, but we really don't know what these guys want. And I think that's what makes it very hard to speculate and unlikely that they'd be able to pull that off. But I said they weren't able to pull off any deals. And look, they got Lindor and Carrasco. So what the hell do I <laughs> Yeah, but um, I agree with you with the Cubs. Um, but the thing is with the Cubs, every day that Bryant is on the Cubs roster, he becomes less and less valuable. But you said, right, how, um, how the teams value the pick when they leave. Teams can only make one qualifying offer. And with Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant, being a free agent, they could only choose one to get to pick from. Right. Um. So right. it's probably going to be Baez. So that means that Brian is probably going to walk for nothing. Um. That's why Theo Epstein left because the Cubs weren't spending that much money anymore. Number one and number two. Um. I actually had David Martin on. Um. He's a reporter for the Rockies. Um. And he said that the financial situation in Colorado was bad. And that the owner said himself um, that Arenado and Trevor are most probably not going to be Rockies next year. Um, so yeah. with the Cubs, I agree with you that they may not be in a rush to trade Bryant, um, but they don't get the compensation pick. Every day that he's on the Cubs roster, he becomes less and less valuable. And with Nolan Arenado in Colorado, they just can't afford him anymore. So I honestly think that all these guys are going to be moved ASAP maybe even before the season, because nothing speaks louder in baseball than money. And with Sandy Alderson saying, we are going to be op opportunistic, you know what? Call up the Rockies and get Rymel Tapia and get Nolan Arenado. Make them take back Familia, send them Baby, send them J.D. Davis, and send them Brandon Nimmo and call it a day. Uh, again, you, you give, and here's what I would say. Uh, you know, and they, they torch you Mets fans. They will, you know, you, you gave him back some salary in Familia, uh, which the Mets would probably want to do. You gave him a top prospect. You gave them some, you know, interesting, albeit going into RB years, bats that can justify trading a star like Arenado and J.D. Davis, who you won't need once you get Arenado. You know, Nimmo could, could be a little bit painful because in that deal, you know, you're already short of outfielders and you're giving up. I mean, Nimmo is Ron may not be sexy. But he's a center fielder, though. Nimmo is a run creator. You know, he's a guy that is, you know, top 10, top 15 outfielders in run creation. So you are giving up someone of value. Now you get a gold glove third baseman, guy who had a bad year in 2020. I will say from what I know, I, I talked to a scout that knows the uh, NL West really well. 
Uh, Arenado is a guy that really would prefer to be in on the West Coast in LA and things like that. But you know, look, you know, he's going to get traded. Opting out right now with the pandemic economy might be tricky. Uh, but it's a risk for the Mets if they think he's going to opt out. You're giving up a lot of capital there to get maybe a one year rental, and uh, you know. There's not only prospect capital, but roster capital that's going to be given up as well. So, but you have listen, you have all the mechanics of at least uh, intelligent rationale. Uh, I think it's expensive both those deals. I don't think they are likely, but I can't criticize the thought process. And you know, it's a hell of a lot uh, better than some of the trades you're going to get on WFAN with fans. <laughs> so I'll give you credit on that. All right. So regarding Arenado, he has a no trade clause. Um. So I'm assuming that the Mets are going to talk to him. And if he um, and if he accepts that type of a deal, I think that he's going to opt in because I don't think that, um, that excuse me, that the Mets are going to give up Nimmo, J.D. Davis, and Brett Beatty, which, by the way, I, he has a monster bat, but he cannot play third base. He's going to be a first base slash D.H., and there's no room for that. Yeah, and I'm not a Brett. I mean, Brett Beatty profiles the kind of guy I don't like. Strikes out a lot of home yep. runs. I've heard a lot of good things. Ike about Davis, him, number two, baby. I've I've heard a lot of good things about him. That's all I can say. Someone who I respect a lot had a lot of nice things to say about him. That doesn't mean anything, but I, I mean, Brett Beatty's not somebody that um that I get excited about because of the type of player he profiles out. But again, I'm not a scout, so what the hell do I know? That's just my my. No, I mean. I 100% agree with you. What I find funny is that people care so much about the rankings that I value Isaiah Green way more than I value Brett Beatty because Isaiah Green fits into the Mets mold to where he's an outfielder, he's a speedster, he hits for power, he um, he gets on base, he's a contact guy than Brett Beatty, who's who's basically a Lucas Duda. Yeah, he's Joey Gallo. Yeah, that's yeah. so I love my Mets. I don't need another Ike Davis and Lucas Duda at first base. I'm sorry, I, I don't. I had my Lucas Duda experience, and I don't want another Lucas Duda experience. I'm done with him, number one, okay? Um, so people also have to realize that you're getting a platinum glove in Nolan Arenado, and you're getting a speedster in center field with Rymel Tapia, who, um, um, who hit 300 last year. So it's not like you're getting back two bumps. You have to give up to get. And that's what Mets fans don't understand, which pisses me off, all right? Because Mets fans expect the Cubs to ship out Hendricks and Chris Bryant. These are actual trades that are in my mentions, all right? Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks for Robinson Cano, Jarius Familia, and J.D. Davis. But And and, and these people come after me. Oh, I yeah, think, you're yeah. a dumbass. You're a this. You're a that. Mets are giving up way too much. We should never trade Nimmo. We should never trade um, Brett Beatty, blah, blah, blah. When you have to give up to get. Why in the right. world would the Mets just get everybody for free? Like, what the hell? Well, in, in, in the perfect world, they would. Yeah. But, you know, the other team, the other GMs are not Mets fans. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it, it, it drives me absolutely crazy. All right, Mike. It's, I don't want to hold you too long. Um, but if I had to ask you, if you were the Mets GM right now, hopefully not sending dick pics to girls, right? What would you do to finish off the Mets offseason right now? Uh, I'd make the big splash and get Trevor Bauer. Uh, if that means I have to go Albert Amora in center field, I'm okay with that. I'd try to go out there and, and round up the pen with Justin Wilson. And, uh, and then I'd really try to focus on 
some uh, veterans that are not going to get necessarily guaranteed 40-man roster spots, get them to invite them to camp, uh, have them earn a position, and uh, and see where that goes. Because I think the starting pitching market – the starting pitching market has got very expensive. Garrett Richards got $10 million. Kluber has, fucked everything up. I mean, Kluber I, – I said that a week ago. Kluber, that was the first domino. So if you're going to go and give a Garrett Richards $10 bucks who hasn't made 30 starts in five years yep. – Go to the top of the market and go after Bauer and go top shelf. And then you can round everything else out. You get your Justin Wilson, the pen. You get your defensive center fielder. Um, there'll be other opportunities to upgrade the roster throughout the season. I'd go to battle with that. That's what I would do. I'd make Bauer my guy. And, on you know, double whammy is it would tick a lot of people off and it'd be fun to see them cry <laughs> at the press conference. <laughs> Everybody is going to cry until they see him in a Mets uniform and he says all the right things and he apologizes and this and that and then he pitches a shutout and all is forgiven all will be forgiven um so you're saying that you think the Mets should go over the luxury tax this year I think yeah I I I mean the luxury tax could be uh something that doesn't exist in a year and they could always you know get under that if they have to if you're going to have a team that's going to be at that level. And you're going to have $30 million a year players like Conforto maybe and DeGrom and Lindor. Uh, you have to go to that luxury tax. It's just, it's inevitable. Uh, they don't have the farm system right now where they can stay significantly under because they don't have any controllable players yep. making the minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Dom and uh, they have Dom and they have Pete Alonzo and they have McNeil, but even those guys are going towards L- uh, arbitration eligible. That's why throughout the process here, and I know that's kind of a contradiction with signing free agents because they're going to lose international pool money and, and, and draft picks with power. You got to win now. You got to build the, the, the team and the culture, and you got to build the farm system. And you got to balance all those things out. And, you know, they're going to have to be able to work with what they got to continue to, you know, bring in the right draft picks. And I think player development is something they've been really poor at the last five or six years, even before, when Sandy was here the first time. So they need to figure out do they have the right guys down in the, uh, the system that are coaching and getting the most out of these guys before they get to the big league level. Can, we, can they develop a reliever for the love of God? That hasn't happened in a lot. <laughs> so you do don't it. have to go out and give Brad Hand $20 million for two years. You know, I mean, I'm waiting. Every reliever, nobody, you know. Oh, uh, Tyler Bachelor, go oh, on and on and on. But, you know, again, we could get into a whole other podcast yeah. about that another time. Yeah. Although what drives me crazy is, is, is that Met fans saw firsthand, firsthand that pitching can bring you a championship. The Mets went with Ruben Tejada, Wilmer Flores, a washed-up David Wright, Travis Darno, and Juan Ligaris in a World Series lineup, basically. Yep. And, pitching will get you there. Yeah. They've done that. But, yeah, you could do the same thing with a much better off offensive lineup, and you're going to say, oh, no, but pitching doesn't do anything. Are you serious? That's what drives me crazy is that people have such a short memory like that. It would be a super staff and it'd be fun and, and we'd have a, a ton of fun with it. That's for sure. It's going to be awesome. Mike, thank you so much. Um, If you have anything Anytime. to plug, go ahead, man. Uh, just talkingmetspodcast.com, uh, weekly podcast at Mike Silva Media on uh, Twitter. And, of course, if you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. And that is talkingmetspodcast.com. And thank you so much for having me on tonight and, 
appreciate it and love to do it again mike thank you so much dude he puts out great content guys i highly recommend mike he is part of the reason why i have my podcast guys check him out thank you guys so much it's been the whole a lot of mess podcast have a